Well, good morning. What a beautiful day. It's been uh, kind of rainy over these last several weekends. Uh, still praying for those that are struggling through the uh, floods that we've had recently. And uh, we may have some information to go out to you for those that are looking for help in those areas. But it's so good to have you here. We're right here in the smack, dag and smack dab, that's the word I'm looking for, <laughs> in the middle of the summer. And uh, it's so good to be able to worship uh, the Lord today. Uh, just a couple of announcements. One, make sure that you grab your uh, sheet that is there on your seat or you received it when you came in. It gives you some really great information. I'd encourage you as well to go to the website, uh, thechapelnj.org, uh, to get information about us and what we have here going on during the week. Now, you'll see some ongoing groups, men's groups, women's groups, uh, youth group as well. Uh, Grief Share will resume in the fall. We're highlighting one ministry um, of our ministries that are here uh, this week, and it is Community Blend. Uh, Jewel and Craig Ott, uh, in the back, there you go. As they're having a benefit dinner and show, that's going to be in September, but we would encourage you uh, to think about that um, program, but also think about their ministry here. Uh, they open the doors for people to come here into our building and just to serve them. And they have a number of uh, community Bible studies as well. Uh, they do a phenomenal job. So we would encourage you to pray when you have ministries. Uh, they go under levels of attack and uh, physical, um, other types of attacks as well. So we pray that you would be praying for them and their ministry. Uh, as well, uh, for the pastors and elders, if you ever want to connect with us, right on the back of the sheet, you'll see um, our contact information, uh, email addresses for each of the pastors and elders. Uh, we would love to be able to connect with you if you have any questions. If you just want us to pray for you, just let us know, and we would love to be able to connect with you in that way. Well, let me uh, read this passage, and we'll open in prayer here this morning. From Psalm 134, it goes this way. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. And that is the God that we worship this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we are in the midst of summer and... Some people are away. We pray for them, Father. We pray that you would bless them and protect them. Father, there are many from our congregation that are still struggling coming out of the storms. I pray for them, Father, as they're trying to recover. Lord, I pray for our country as we are going through such challenging times in our country. We desperately need a new vision of your son, a new grasp of your word. Lord, I want to adore you and praise you for who you are. You are the matchless God, and there is no one like you. We have a tendency to focus so much on the problems around us, and we fail to see the beauty and the majesty of who you are. We thank you for your gracious work in our lives. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the fact that we can come and celebrate you today. So, Lord, help us to do that well. Lord, I pray for the songs that we sing. I pray for the message that will be preached by Pastor Doug. We pray that as we take the communion service as well, that we be magnifying your son, 
Christ-centered, cross-centered, word-centered, spirit-filled, God-glorifying, and help us to reflect you in all that we do and say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us this morning? I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The King is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a Sing a little louder. 
gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. is dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side the Savior He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hold my shepherd will defend me through the deepest valley he will lead oh the night has been won and i shall overcome yet not i but through christ in me I know I am forgiven The future sure The price it has been paid For Jesus bled And suffered for my pardon And he was raised To overthrow the grave To this I hold my sin has been defeated Jesus now and ever is my plea Oh, the chains are released I can sing I am free Yet not I, but through Christ in me I long to follow Jesus, for He has said that He will bring me home. And day by day, I know He will renew me, until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to Him. When the race is 
complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. friend, 
loving Heavenly Father. We just want to thank you for this time of worship, dear Lord, when we come together as a family. We worship you, your name, your glory, dear Lord, all through your spirit. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for the wonderful weather you've given us, dear Lord, and just the safe travels of everybody that's able to make it in this summertime. I pray that you be with Doug now as he comes before you, dear Lord, and gives us insight in what Peter has to tell us. Watch over us and open our hearts, dear Lord. Be with us here through your spirit as we come to find out what it is you want us to dwell on this week, what it's like to have Jesus shine through us more and more. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're reading 2 Peter, um, chapter 1, verses 12 through the end of the chapter 21. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. 
I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, so to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here. I have a little frog in my voice, so um, hopefully it doesn't go south. If so, we'll, we'll end early. That's all, I suppose. Um, I just want to tell you, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, children five to eight can be di dismissed at this time for junior church. Got the signal from the back on that. That's always a good thing. Um, I am privileged, very, very privileged to have a couple special guests with us today from my own family. So my son and daughter-in-law, Bella, Paul and Bella, are in from China. We haven't seen them in, th well, I've never seen Bella but until they, she came in. Um, but I haven't seen my son for three and a half years. So I, I'm going to have you guys stand um, and just... just <laughs> I can do this, right? I can do whatever I want, right? Um, and my, my daughter is in from Ukraine, from Kiev, Ukraine. So Sarah is with us. And of course, my lovely wife is also here, too. <laughs> so anyway, it's, 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 uh, it's just a joy. We have all of our family together, and it's the first time in three and a half years. So it's really great. So, yeah, it's very nice. It's very nice. So, well, if you have your Bibles, as Victor read to us, um, please turn over to Second Peter chapter one. We'll be looking at verses twelve to twenty-one. Um, I don't know that in, in all the years that we've had church here that we've ever canceled church for rain. Can you remember, Dave? I, I, no, I think that was the vector gear. I don't remember, remember, remember that happening. And, and uh, when I saw the pictures from PA of, of, of the roads down here, we were very happy that we didn't try to get here either, you know, coming from the distance. But, but you know what happens with those things. You, know, you have these roads, and then the water's so powerful, it just... It, it just erodes very, very quick. Erodes not even the right word. It just undermines the foundation, doesn't it? Yes. And then, and then, then the whole the whole thing just comes apart. And we, we we've seen that. And 
And that, that's kind of a, a parable, if you will, it seems to me, of what happens in lives often. If, if you think about the, the, the foundation as our, our confidence, for instance, in God's word, it's, it's reliability. Um, what happens if that begins to get eroded in people's lives? You know, and, and maybe people come along and say, look, um, clearly the, word, the only way to explain the whole world is evolution. And then you read the Bible about creationism and people begin to think like, well, I don't know, is, is the Bible trustworthy, right? Or, or with, with all the sexual challenges that we face in our day, you know, well, psychologists say this and social experts say this and, and, and before you know it, sometimes people begin going like, you know, is there, is, is there a problem with the word? And if there's a problem with the word, then, like, sh should I be all in? Should I be committed to these things? Do you know what I'm saying? Or, or suffering comes into our lives, or, or somebody raises a question about this text in the Old Testament, and you're going like, that seems kind of harsh to me. And, and, you, and these questions begin to come. And you know it, folks, if, if we get to the point where God's word to us is just blasé at best and questionable, it will clearly impact how we live our lives. And so in this passage, if I get, can I get this? There we go. Our, our commitment to God's word is always gonna be based on our confidence in God's word, isn't it? Why would you wanna commit your life to someone that you're not even sure is clearly reflected in the scriptures? And we live in a world where there's all these things that just sweep at us and sweep at us. And, and each one of them we could deal with because I, I would want to argue in every one of those situations, the Bible is completely reliable. But what may strike you as a bit strange is we recognize that in our day, but we, sometimes we think when you go back to the first century, they didn't have those same kind of problems. But, but they did. I mean, don't you think when you hear about the Apostle Paul or Peter, like, okay, they were the best days. Everybody was just going around thumbs up with everything, saying, this is God's word, we're in the apostles, right? No. Peter, Peter is writing this book shortly before he dies. He was captured um, by Nero, and we don't know exactly when he dies in Rome, probably 66, 67, something, something like that. Paul has already been beheaded. And, and, and Peter probably is writing his first book for a lot of churches that, where Paul's gone and he wants to encourage them and saying, it's okay. Um, and, and he writes his second book right before he dies and, and he's gonna actually die by being crucified. There are some later traditions that I've even argued that he was baptized, that he, baptized, that he was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like his Lord. He figured, I don't know if that's true. I, 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 what I know is that he was crucified. That, 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 that's what I know. And so Peter, this is really his swan song, if you think about it, Second Peter. He, he knows he's going to die soon. And what does he say? Well, he's writing to people 
where there's individuals that are coming along and like those waters, they're trying to begin to put pressure on the foundation of believers. And they're saying a variety of things. These are people, there are people who have come into the church that Peter has influence over. And they're saying things like, and, and we don't know exactly where these ideas come from, philosophy. Maybe it sounds to me kind of Epicureanism, a little bit like Epicureanism. But, but the, there's these swipes that come in and say things like, you know what, um, there's not going to be any coming of Christ and any final divine judgment. That, 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 that's not going to happen. We like the fact that Jesus came and he lived, a nice example. That, that's all really, really good. But this idea that you got to be committed to him completely and that he's coming back, no, 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 forget that. That, that. Can't believe that. Matter of fact, this idea that Old Testament prophets from the Old Testament, they would call it the scripture, that we're actually talking about the fact that God's going to come back and judge one day, that's all myths. It's clever myths. You, you really can't trust it. And these apostles, you can't believe what they're saying either. That is the world in which Peter is writing. And he's toward the end of his life. And what he wants more than anything else is that God's people will walk completely committed to knowing Christ Trusting his enabling grace, knowing that one day it'll all be worth it because Christ is coming back. I mean, that, that's, that's what Peter wants, but he's writing to people who are being told by false teachers coming in, throw that stuff out. Oh, and by the way, didn't Paul talk about something like related to freedom? Those false teachers were using teachings from Paul, as, as we read chapter 3 here, to say things like, well, that means you can do anything you want sexually. It's okay. You don't, you don't have to live by any kind of sexual standards. So Peter, you know, sometimes we think like things were pretty tame at this point. They weren't tame at all. They're trying to undermine the faith, and while they're trying to undermine the faith, it manifests itself in people saying, you can do whatever you want, and there, there's all kinds of sexual things going on in this book that Peter has to attack. It's a complete mess. But God is faithful, isn't he? And, and like in their day, just like in their day, in our day, whatever is coming to hit us, folks, we can rest in complete confidence in what God has given us and live our lives in obedience to it. That's the message, very simply. But stay with me, we'll walk, walk through the verses in the process, okay? So what he does, he begins here in the first section in verses uh, 12 to 15, he's gonna talk about the, the, the fact that be, because Peter, he's, Peter's gonna explain why we, we can be completely confident in God's word. But before he gets to that, he wants to say, look, man, my whole life is Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm completely into him, and you need to be also. So look what he says in verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things. What things? Well, the things he's just spoken about in the previous verses. And somebody may be sitting here saying, hey, why aren't you preaching the previous verses before these verses? It's a good question. We had church canceled. 
And Tim was all ready to go with that message. And Tim's not here this week. So I'm doing the next section, and you'll get the previous section next week. Okay, so it's coming, all right? It's coming. I just, just want you to be aware of that. But, so the things he's reminding of is a wonderful text that's all about God's people can become more and more like Jesus Christ. We can know him and we can go deeper and we can live lives that are confident that will end one day in his presence. Tim will talk about that next week. So Peter just says, look, I can't stop reminding you about those things. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth as you now have. Now, I'm not going to say anything probably today that you're going to go like, wow. Like, I never knew that. Like, if I tell you life is all about Jesus Christ, does anybody in here go like, man, that's a new one? <laughs> no. No, you know what I mean? You've been around Christianity enough, you know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, like, we talk about this every week. It's true. And Peter knows that we're given to forgetting and one of the terms that you find in 12 to 15 that just is repeated again and again is the word remind, remember. Because we are prone to forget. And so Peter says, even though you know these things, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Uh, the word sometimes is translated, Peter says, I want to stir you up. When my kids were, um, were teenagers, um, like how hard is it, is it to get teenagers up, specifically like on a Sunday morning? Man, my kids could get up as early as could be on a Saturday if there was something fun happening. But man, they were like dead to the world on Sunday mornings. It's not just my kids, was it? You know, and you'd have to go into the room. You go, honey, uh, honey, yeah, well, it's time to get up for joy. You know, you know, you've been there, right? Yeah, you've done all these things. Uh, and if you're a young parent, you will. You'll get there. And Peter says, "That's what I got to do. I got to constantly remind you because I want to stir you up. I want to wake you up to reality. Because Peter says, I'm going to die soon." I've often thought about this. So we're, what, 65, 66, 67 AD, something like that. Way back in 30 AD, in John chapter 21, you remember when Peter, Jesus is talking with Peter, and he says, Peter, one day you're going to be crucified for me, and you won't deny me. And for 35 years, Peter's lived with that. And now, it's about to happen. And he says, the Lord had told me about this, and I'm going to be dying very soon. And what I don't want from you is your sympathy, Peter says. What I want is your ears. And I want to remind you again and again, I'm going to die but it's okay, because I know where I'm going. 
Matter of fact, in the previous section, it's going to be this glorious entrance of welcome by my blessed Lord. Right? So he doesn't say, I'm not telling you this so you can just cry for me. He says, no, 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 no. Man, I am trying to remind you as much as I can before I die. Verse 15. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. You know what the blessing is from that, folks? It was put in print. It was written down. So Peter has been dead for 2,000 years, and we're still being reminded. And Peter says, I don't have much time, so I'm going to remind you, and my prayer is after I go, you'll, be re- you'll remember again and again and again. And we've been doing it for 2,000 years. Peter says, I'm going to die. I am all in. It's okay. And I want you to know that life is about Christ and his enabling grace to become more like him. That's it. Peter then says, but let me talk about these accusations. Because people are trying to go after and attack you in, this, in your confidence in God's word. And what I want you to, I want you to be able to go to your grave with the same kind of commitment I have because of my confidence in God's word. I want you to have the same. And I would argue if Peter was here today, he'd say the exact same thing. Whatever you're experiencing, I want you to have confidence here so you can have commitment here. Does that make sense? I mean, that's what he's arguing for. And so, in the next section, confidence in God's word picks up here in verses 16 to 21. Stay with me, because sometimes this can get a little technical, but I'll try to make it. But, but it, it's, it's not just, it's like really important stuff. Have you ever doubted God's word? If you're breathing, you have. We all have. Peter wants to help us with this. Even though he's specifically looking at a problem where people are saying, okay, we know Jesus came. We're not so sure about that resurrection stuff. But he's not going to come back and judge Things are just going to keep happening again and again and again. And that's the way life works. And when we die, we're dead and that's it. Peter's got to go after that stuff. All through the book, he's going to go after that. So look at what he says in verse 16. Verse 16, he kind of gives this key propositional statement that he's then going to unpack in the verses that follow. Look at what he says in verse 16. For... We did not follow cleverly devised myths or stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You see what he's doing there? He's saying, people are attacking the gospel message. And they're saying a couple things, and one of the things they're saying is, This whole idea of the Old Testament prophesying that Jesus is ultimately going to come and judge, that's that's malarkey. It's baloney. It's a myth. And Peter's saying, completely false. And Peter's going to go on to say, not only is that Old Testament prophecy true, 
But because Jesus Christ has come and I've experienced the transfiguration, that word is even more sure for us today. So that when I'm gone, people can look back because all of us are ear witnesses, right? We've heard the gospel from ear witnesses, right? From ear witnesses, from ear witnesses, dot, 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 of eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ himself, the apostles. And so what Peter is doing is he's writing us up to about here so that we can take it from there on. So he's going to deal with the two issues, the Old Testament prophecy and the fact that it's been confirmed or validated in light of the coming, the first coming of Jesus Christ. Look at what he says. Verse um, 17. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, whom I love with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Now, would you do me a favor for just a moment? Would you turn back to Mark chapter 8? Mark chapter 8. You could read this in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, but we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with Mark. Whenever I'm reading Peter, I like to go with Mark only because an early church father tells us that, that Mark really wrote his gospel right off of Peter's sermons. Okay, so whenever I have Peter say something about the life of Jesus, if I had, I, my, first, my first run to gospel will be Mark. So it's a good one to go to. Here's what Mark says about Jesus Christ, because the transfiguration does a variety of things. But, but, but I want to just read a couple verses to you. In Mark chapter 8, listen to what he says. And folks, stay with me. Because this has all kinds of ramifications for us, okay? In Mark chapter 8, um, this comes after Jesus had to rebuke Peter when, when he said, get thee behind me, Satan. It's an incredible chapter. It's a chapter where on the one hand, Jesus says, thou art the rock, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. You go like, oh yeah. And then Jesus says, well, you know, I'm going to die. And I'm going to resurrect. And, and, and Peter goes, oh, no, 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 not so, Lord. That will not happen. And, and Jesus says, Peter, you're acting like Satan. Get back behind me. That's where you need to be. You need to be back where you're following me. Stop aiding Satan and his message. And so he goes from being the rock to being Satan, like in just a couple of verses. So it's that whole section. But in there, he turns and he talks about discipleship. And he ends it by saying this in, in Mark chapter 8, verse 38. Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. And then he says this in chapter 9, verse 1. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. So Jesus says, I'm the one who is going to die for you and resurrect. But I want you to know something else. I am coming back one day in power. And a couple of you, Peter, J Peter James, and John, you're going to actually have the opportunity of actually seeing me transfigured. So that 
And you know what happens there at the transfiguration? They're, they're there with Jesus and, 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 and then Moses and Elijah are there representing the law and the prophets. And like the whole thing is just a glow. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And like Peter's like, he didn't know what to do. You know, so he says, hey, let's build three booths, one for each of them, which was a complete mistake, you know. <laughs> and then Moses and Elijah just fade away. And it's just Jesus. And a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. But what Jesus was doing was giving them a gift. A gift saying, you've seen me in the incarnation. I'm giving you just a glimpse of my glory, which will be revealed in the future clearly when I come back and set everything straight. Peter never forgot that. Peter saw that. He's, he's writing 35 years later. He says to folks, for somebody to tell you that Christ has come and he didn't resurrect when we saw him, and to tell you he's not coming back when we saw his glory, said that's complete baloney. Our faith, folks, is not some leap in the dark. Like, I don't know which religion to take. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, whatever. Let's just jump into Christianity. No. It is, it, it, our Christian faith is based on reality where God has evidenced himself and done things and given us eyewitnesses. It's reliable. And it's been proved again and again. And the Spirit then has also worked in our hearts to show us the reality of it. And Peter is just saying, these people are completely lying to you. I've seen his glory. I've heard the voice. I've had the foretaste. I've seen him ascend. And I know he's coming back. They're completely lying. And he says, you know what that does then? Look at verse 19 of 2 Peter chapter 1. What, what, that, what that does for us, did I jump too far ahead here? No, I'm good, I'm good, okay. Um, in verse 19 then, well, you know, let, let me pop ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll come back because I don't know if this will help. Sometimes charts help. Sometimes they just completely confuse us. We'll see what happens. But I, I try to kind of create a chart of what Peter is doing in this chapter, in this section of this chapter. And, and what he's arguing is, you have the Old Testament period, you have the time period of Jesus Christ, the coming, the cross, and then you have this time that's coming in the future for his second coming. Pretty simple, right? And the second coming has been attacked by false teachers who have probably also attacked the resurrection. Doesn't say it tells us specifically. I think that's probably, probably the case. Um, and, and so Peter's got to like talk about two things because they're attacking Old Testament prophecy and they're attacking the apostles. So Peter goes and says, 
We live with him. We heard his teaching. We've written his scripture. We've known him. We're telling you the reality of what we've seen. And what that does, because the eyewitness account shows the validity of what was promised in Jesus Christ, it makes those Old Testament prophecies even more sure. They're, they're validated, which means if that Old Testament prophecy is right, guess what? They're all right. And you can bank your life on any of it. And if you can bank your life on the Old Testament and Christ has come and given us a foretaste of that and is resurrected, you can bank your life on the New Testament too. Do you see? But he's arguing in this period of time with people that are attacking the whole thing. So he says, looking back at the Old Testament, we also have the prophetic message as something that is completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in darkness until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I love that. Look at how he explains the Christian life. Do you see it? He says, you know, because of what God has done in the coming of Jesus Christ, his first coming, and will do in his second coming, all of those Old Testament prophecies are even more sure. And you will do well to commit your life to it. And when you do, when you commit your life to God's word, it is like the light gets brighter and brighter until one day you bask in the glory and the wonder of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And haven't you as a Christian had a foretaste of that in this world? Life is hard. The world hits us and our flesh attacks us and the devil's at us. And... But haven't you experienced light in a way that you never did when you didn't know Christ? And so it's getting brighter. It's hard. I'm not, it's not, it's, he's not saying it's easy. Peter's ready to have his, he's ready to be crucified. But he's saying, my life is one that just gets brighter and brighter. And one day, it'll be brilliant. This is sure. Because this happened. And because this happened, the second coming will happen. That's the reasoning. And you can bank your life on this, and I would just add to that, you can bank your life on the whole thing. And so take heed to letting Christ be central. And then he ends by saying this in verse 20. Um, it, it, actually, um, it, translation is fine, but t technically he says, you do well on the one hand, to pay attention. He says that there in verse 19. Actually, it says in verse 20, the implication is you do well also to understand something, okay? And, and, and it's this. You do well to understand that no prophecy of Scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation of things. 
For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There's a really interesting word that's used here. It gets translated different ways into the English. It's used four times just in in verses 19 to 21. I'm sorry, uh, 16 to 21. And, 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 and sometimes the word is, tra- is translated like transmit or, but it's like when it says a voice from heaven, um, it literally says transmitted to you. And then what did it transmit? This is my beloved son, believe in him. That word is used four times in this passage. And the reason he's saying it is the one that's always transmitting is God. When he spoke at the transfiguration, it was God. And and he's saying, what you saw in the transfiguration, it was completely original with God. When you go back to the Old Testament, it was completely bound up in God. Yeah, but don't, don't, don't people kind of write in their own style? Yes. And aren't they often writing about their own concerns to, to individuals? Yes. But God is over that entire process so that what ultimately is spoken and written down is exactly what God wanted. And so Peter is emphasizing God is over the entire process. So Peter says, I'm going to die, but it's okay. You can bank your life on the fact that God's word is reliable. You can place all your confidence in that. And then because that's, the, that's how you live your life, it will manifest itself and then living out what matters most, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. To know him, to walk with him, to love him, to share with others about him, to become more and more like him, all by his enabling work through his spirit. He says, that's what it's all about. And so this passage, this passage is a call for them in their day not to allow the water of opposition to undermine the foundation but to set up a dam, divert that around, whatever you have to do, so that your confidence is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's interesting to me. Most heresies revolve around a misunderstanding of Christology. Do you know that? Oh, there's a bunch of ways to heaven. Uh, No, there's one. You misunderstood Christology. Because when you, when you do a study of Christ, you find out he's the only way. And again and again through church history and in our day, people will try to undermine our faith by attacking Jesus Christ. I, mean, I know it in my own studies and doctoral programs and just teaching in these areas, people are like always going after Jesus in the Gospels. Always. And I would argue to no avail. Because God has given us a word that we see fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus Christ that is validated, 
Jesus is resurrected. We have the teaching of the apostles and we have a foretaste of what is coming in his second coming. And Peter says, I'm writing here, but I'm writing to remind you that after I'm dead, it won't matter whether I'm here because you'll have the writing. So every age can go back and read it and remember what God has actually done. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't listen to the lies. We have a more sure word of prophecy. We can bank our lives on it. Let's pray. Father, we have all struggled, or perhaps even are at this time, some, some here, with doubts and questions. Lord, your word has been attacked for a very long time. But at the end of the day, to no avail. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that with confidence, they will read and heed and live out the wonders of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives. Father, for anyone here today that doesn't know Christ, may this be the day that they bow their knee as your spirit is prompting them in their heart that this is true and this needs to be lived out. Help us to be men and women, boys and girls of great hope because we can rest assured in the confidence of the word. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, it seems really appropriate for us to do communion on a day when Peter has been asking us and, and again and again reminding us of Jesus Christ. Now, he's reminding us of what Jesus will be doing in the future. Communion is reminding us of what Christ has done for us in the past. And if you're visiting and maybe Christianity's kind of new to you, please talk to us afterwards. We'd love to talk to you, you know. And we, and we, we don't have someone pressure. We just, but we, we'd like to talk to you. We'd be really happy to do that. The reason we do this is because we're commanded by Jesus Christ to remember what he's done for us on the cross of Calvary. And to remember that the one who was crucified resurrected. And, and isn't it interesting in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, do this for how long? Until when? Until I come. Do you see that? See how it's a package, it all fits together. Remember this, remember this, until you experience this. And so what we do is we take communion. This is not magical. It doesn't make us Christians. It doesn't do anything like that. We, are, we only can become a Christian by asking Christ to be our Lord and Savior and allowing him to forgive us of our sins. It's not what you do, it's what he has done. So for communion, we as Christians think about his blood that was shed for us and his body broken for us when we do communion. And we just, again, celebrate in our hearts 
the wonders of the cross. So as they, as they pass it around, it's all, everything's self-contained, which is really nice. You'll get the juice and the cracker at the same time. So it's all there. And then just wait for instructions from James. Don't drink it ahead of time or anything. James will tell you what to do with that, okay? So if the men will come at this time.
He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange. Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. I hope. 
So we heard about um, confidence, confidence in God's word, confidence in his son. We heard of a commitment uh, that we need to make to his word and to his son. And now we move to a celebration and a confession. Uh, this is a celebratory meal. Uh, Christ is not being re-crucified. He was crucified once for sinners, um, and he rose victoriously. Christ died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I have received from the Lord that what I deliver to you, that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and he said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the fact that our confidence does not need to be eroded. The confidence in your word, the confidence of the Old Testament that points to your son's first coming, the confidence of the new that points to his second coming. We praise you for that. Lord, I pray that more than just confidence, I pray that you would help us to make a strong commitment uh, to your son and to your word. And as we do that, Lord, I pray that we would celebrate him often. And I pray that we would confess him often uh, in our own hearts and then to this lost and dying world. Lord, as long as it is until your son comes, I pray that we'd be used day after day to reflect you and majesty and glory in this world. So Lord, as we leave, I pray that you would uh, lay your hand upon us and strengthen us, empower us, pour us grace upon grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me before we close? Passages from Psalm 103. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and has crowned you with steadfast love and tender mercies, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's wings. Go in his peace. Amen. Amen.